Hi and welcome to the podcast Invest in You. My name is Fredrik Sandvall. Today I will have with me Piotr and uh, also we will have Nitin all the way from India. He's working with family offices and we'll hear about investment. A family office is simply a collection of people investing funds, their own funds sometimes, or for high net worth individuals. So here we go. So tell us more. Uh, where are you from and... Uh... And how did we even come up to this 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 call? Well, uh, born brought up uh, in India, but over the last uh, 14 to 15 years, I have stayed in six or seven different countries. Of course, India is my base, but I've stayed in New York, London, Dubai, Singapore. Uh, I'm still very Indian at heart in that sense because I've always uh, realized that you know a developing economy has a lot of potential for investments. Because as a developing economy, the consumption and the population of the country is such that uh, in the long run, the long term, as 15 years, uh, businesses, assets, uh, management of wealth will only keep on growing. Of course, you have aberrations, uh, you know, every maybe six or seven years when there's a large drawdown, but those are just aberrations. And we look at the more long term trends of seven years, eight years, ten years, and then uh, take a call uh, on country-specific investing. We're also looking at emerging countries like Indonesia, Vietnam, uh, you know, and looking at developed countries within Asia as well, Singapore, Japan, China, and seeing what opportunities are available. Um, and there's one uh, attribute of uh, the family office that we intend to deploy capital in Europe and also have from far to get deployed in India and emerging markets as well. Yeah, it's, it's very interesting because uh, especially the space where you operate, it's uh, very much linked to both providing a service, but also the customer group is really niche. So we're not talking about catering for the 1%, but really just a fraction of the 1%. Uh, people who are maybe high net worth or even ultra high net worth, obviously. I find it interesting how you also mentioned uh, investing into, for example, into to Europe. Uh, I was working with a broad range of investors to also match opportunities, really. So I'm yeah, keen to explore that uh, in, in another call at another time. So, yeah. Okay. Right. So tell us more about you, how you moved into the investment space from being very much an operator in the business with a broad broad experience. How did you move into the investment space? Essentially, I was have been an investor since 1998, investing in the Indian equity markets. And at some point in time, I realized that uh, personally, I was good at deploying capital, not necessarily uh, trying to grow and uh, run a large business and uh, so from a personal perspective I felt that it would be nice if I could uh, generate capital by deploying capital rather than uh, get into the nuts and bolts of creating a business. Okay. So there's a fine difference between that. I mean, I mean I'd rather be a hi, Walter, how are you? Okay. So I'd rather be a business uh, capital owner uh, without the uh, let's just say the problems of what each business uh, comes uh, without uh, you know looking at financial investing is fairly easy. I mean in, in terms of you know your overheads are controlled. Your time management is uh, pretty much in your control as to what you want to do at what point in time. Yep. 
and uh, that, that's predominantly the reason it sense gives you a bit of freedom to enjoy other things in life as well indeed perfect right so uh, thanks for joining us Piotr uh, how good are to see you gentlemen sorry for being a little bit late uh, how are you doing how are you we're, we're all good so, uh, to also enjoy other things outside uh, investing uh, what 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 do you do when you're not working too hard Well, when I'm not working too hard, when I'm not trying to make money, it's, it's <laughs> obviously I, I, uh, I play golf. Uh, yeah. I read a lot because consciously, you know, as investors and people observers, it's always good to uh, talk and read and watch and be more aware of what's happening around you. Try to learn. I mean, you know, it's, learning it just doesn't stop. It doesn't have to be related to financial markets. It can be you watch an interesting play or you go to an interesting city or look at the design in Scandinavia and you know figure out the design industry in Scandinavia. I mean, learning is uh, limitless. So that's what I like to do. And um, at, at each point in time, I play a lot of sports. Uh, so keeps me occupied with that. Um, I mean, uh, it's always good to travel and see the local. Uh, I like to walk around uh, cities, specifically in Europe. I mean, I, I like I like Europe for the fact that you can walk around different cities, uh, enjoy the weather. Uh, that that's something that I look forward to. Uh, you know, and it's always an exploration of different food, different people. Uh, different drinks around the world as well it's there's, 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 you should have a bit of fun as well because it's serious business right so go do other things as well yeah i know uh, especially after having lived in india uh, the family is very important do you have family yet or yes i do i'm married i've got a lovely nine year old uh, daughter and they keep me occupied on my toes Uh, so, uh, like with all family men, it's 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 uh, very tough uh, to balance uh, certain things because sometimes uh, you know in the evening you're involved with your your mind is in a different space and the family demands your attention. But I try to switch off and on. I mean, uh, I don't take too much of work home or stress home. But uh, that way, it's, it's good uh, to uh, you know, have a more balanced opinion about different things because sometimes investments professionals and the people in the finance industry get very involved with the whole attribute of the whole space and what happened to today it's and you know things like that and we start we stop realizing that there are other things to life as well i mean you know in yes. context i know the the reason i was asking both usually on this podcast i have uh, my two sons ivan and charlie they are 12 and 14 and they are usually in in the studio with me Uh, with uh, billionaires, billionaires, entrepreneurs, and, and asking them uh, questions that I could never come up with. Uh, they are today uh, in, in school, so they're not with us. So we, we have had uh, a couple of, of billionaires, especially from the US, uh, on, on the on the podcast. Uh, we have had lots of people. Who, we were just interviewing a footballer, uh, ex-footballer who's now in uh, in property. Yes, just the other day. So the cool thing with investments is anyone can invest in theory at a huge range of of levels. What kind of individuals do you usually uh, meet in your line of, of work that are interested to invest? Without generalizing too much, what's kind of the typical person that might find you online or offline? So essentially, uh, two kind of individuals come. We don't necessarily work with only individuals in India. Uh, we typically work with other institutions. So that's a more understanding of how other families like you 
who have investable wealth are able to uh, run their businesses and want to deploy capital. So that's one area of people. I mean, and they are very sharp businessmen running their own industries. They could be in retail or in FMCG or in IT or successful entrepreneurs themselves. The other interesting attribute is that we come across certain <clears throat> individuals who are uh, not necessarily business owners, but as you rightly said, it could be a sports star, it could be a, a famous literary giant, it could be a celebrity actor, it could be an author, it could be somebody who's very well known in their own field, it could be a designer or an entrepreneur as well. And what's very interesting to note is that, that they've built, they know their business, but <clears throat> when it comes to investments, uh, they are not very clear as to what they want to do because they're so involved yes. and they could be self-professionals, very non-professionals. Uh, so they're not necessarily very key or hands-on. And uh, so we try to guide them in a sense that, um, and these are large individuals who have large wealth. And uh, they, honestly, it feels like, you know, I wish they, they would have... Uh, uh, use this wealth to grow something rather than just deploy it and not deploy it. Yeah. Because, you know, sometimes you feel that there's so much of wealth in the world and, and um, used for better better way than just parking it under the, in the bank or something, you know, things like that. So, uh, but it's interesting. I mean, a lot of them have a lot of ideas, uh, interesting ideas, creative ideas. Uh, and it's interesting to build relationships with them because you know ultimately the investment relationship is built once the two people are comfortable with each other and the trust and the <clears throat> factor and you know, builds in and they sort of understand each other's perception and you know everyone likes when you know, they are, money makes money but nobody likes when money does not make money right right Okay, so let's let's uh, carry on. I lost track a little bit there. Uh, Piotr came in and then he left, and I think he might be in again. Piotr, can you hear us? Yes, I can hear you well now. So hopefully it works well now. Yeah. Okay, great to see you. Yeah, so we just spoke about how different people approaching a family office might be really different. Everything from for example, uh, we mentioned a sports star to someone uh, who's, who's worked with a big corporation to, yeah, and can be anyone really. And uh, we, we just spoke about that the level of knowledge around investment is, it can be really broad from very limited to, to a lot higher. When, when I say the term financial IQ, uh, Nitin, what, what, what springs to mind? viewpoint on financial IQ in a sense that uh, a lot of the investing behavior is actually to do with emotional IQ rather than financial IQ. Successful investments and successful investors are very emotionally strong and uh, it's not necessary to do with financial IQ. You don't have to be from a finance space to become a successful investor, I firmly believe. If you have the passion and you want to succeed in it and you want to build relationships, meet people, understand research and uh, are able to look at the long term, then I think you're a successful investor because uh, investing actually is very simple and a lot of people make it very complicated, to be honest. So, you know, it's, it's not really complicated. Uh, in my viewpoint, it's, it's you buy something which is undervalued and you hold it till the time you think that it's very overvalued and you sell it and you create a profit. That's it. Everything else in the middle is just uh, what investment banks do to keep themselves busy. And media and newspapers. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. 
Yeah, no, I, I know, I know what you mean. I mean, it looks simple, looks simple, but you have to follow. You have to be disciplined. I think you need to be disciplined. Uh, you need to be emotionally strong, and you need to look at the long-term picture. And you and and you should be uh, willing to risk your capital. Uh, and you should know what you're doing at each point in time. You should just not look at investments as something that is a casino because it's not. You should look at deploying capital in uh, investments that you've researched and you are able to uh, look at it for the long term. I, I, I don't. Of course, you can make short-term investments as well, but that's more for professional investors uh, like us. But mostly for people who want to be there, I would think emotionally you need to be a bit strong and um, you need to have a lot of common sense rather than just looking at what media is saying or what this person is saying and what the institutions are saying and what reports are coming in. There's a lot of clutter, so you need to do your own research and be confident about it. Yes, I started yes. my early days of investing yes, in terms of yes, taking money, put it in the mutual fund. Take money, put it in the mutual fund, and then do it again. And then eventually I, I migrated to start to buy uh, stocks and shares. And then later than that, after having done that a few years and learned the ropes, then I started to do trade trading. Uh, day trading is another uh, beast to take on. How, how do you think like short-term trading, everything from like hedge funds to real professionals, what, what do you think about short-term trading generally? So, okay, we do short-term trading every day as well, to be honest. Yeah. Uh, when you make money, it's fine. It sounds the best <laughs> thing in the world. And Sometimes don't we don't. Money, you should, and when you don't make money, you should... Basically, I think the rule for day trading is you should um, try to control your risk in a sense that if it doesn't work in the day, you're able to hold your position for maybe seven, eight years as well. Yes. So if you take a position, even on day trading, assume that this position will not make you profit for four or five or six years. If it makes profit during the day, fine. But if it doesn't, you should look at it always from the premise that this is a long-term investment and I'm willing to hold it. And the size, normally what happens in day trading is people over, over trade and uh, the position sizes are very large. So yes. you have to control your position size in a manner uh, saying that if I'm lucky today, I'll make money. If I'm not, I'm, I'm holding this position. Now, whether it takes one week, one month, one year, 10 years, I don't mind. I'm, I'm trading a solid, fundamentally strong company and I'm willing to uh, invest in it as well. So, I mean, I, I, that's how I look at the risk management in day trading. It's very simple in that sense. Yeah, I, I like to share two, two examples. of. To start with, you, you are the first person ever who, who have thought like me in terms of day trading that actually you might just get stuck with a position. Many people are, are so keen that they will just exit the, the position uh, or they put a very tight limit to, to the stop loss. So they can't really make make any money uh, in, in the end of the no, day. I, I, I don't, I, even when I day trade, I don't take stop losses because the, the market is out there to cut your stop loss as well. Yes. So they, they have to understand that you know people are out there just to uh, divert your attention from the stop loss and then today they'll cut it and tomorrow they'll take it back up. So that's the game. So uh, yeah. uh, people don't understand that, but uh, the idea is to just hold the position, and uh, and also there's a factor of luck. So you know, whenever you make money in day trading, you should always think that okay, it was luck. I didn't do anything about it. I made money. Fine. Don't think too much about it. That you become the greatest investor because you made money in day trading. It doesn't work like that. You're just lucky. You made money. Great. Uh, you're able to control the position if you're able to hold the position. 
again something really rare and unusual i rarely use any any step lo- stop losses either that's also really rare in that space okay super uh, interesting i did not um, expect that so thanks for sharing those uh, useful details if you would recommend any kind of book which is linked to investing it can be really anything at all just uh, something that springs to mind feel free to think about the question I wouldn't re- recommend a particular book. Specifically, I wouldn't recommend books from finance and investing because everyone reads them, whether it's Peter Lynch, Warren Buffett, every, uh, it's fine. You can read them and get your knowledge. But ideally, you should be something to niche to get because and it's, a, it's all different subjects, right? So it could be on personality. It could be on somebody's autobiography. It could be on somebody's business success. Investors also face this dilemma that, you know, we are fluctuating between profits in one month and losses in one month. And how do you ensure that uh, you're able to stick stick there and, you know, go through the bad times? Because it's, it's, it's easy to look at good times. Everyone, It's a party and everyone enjoys it. But you have to be a good investor to stick to the bad time. And you can't be a great investor if you've not seen a couple of uh, crashes in the market. Otherwise, it's no fun. I mean, it's, it's, you're only seeing the upside. And it's, honestly, that's not practically possible. Markets will have downsides as well, and you have to be ready for it when, when, it, is, when, when it comes. Yeah, I got one statement that I agree with my wife. Uh, we are completely aligned on this one. The only thing we learn from history is that we don't learn from history. The old investors realize that, okay, this yes. has happened and uh, everyone says, oh, this time is different, but it's never different. <laughs> it's always the same. Exactly. P- Piotr, uh, any, any questions that comes to mind? Uh, yes, so I'm actually quite curious. So because with Nitin, we actually met at the family office conference. Um, I just wanted to, obviously, from personal perspective, so you say as an investor, it's important to learn, etc. So how do you actually spend your, your normal day? What does it look like for you as an investor? Well, it's actually, uh, my normal day is very structured in that sense. I, I get up normally at about 7, 7.30, uh, do a bit of uh, stretches and yoga and meditation because it really helps me through the day, uh, or maybe a walk. Uh, have a uh, breakfast and uh, I I have a habit of reading newspapers in the morning it just gives me and sets me up for the day Um, I need to be before the Indian markets open on screen at about 9 o'clock in the morning so I I need to start the trades Uh, and it's still about 4 we're just with the market we're just either trading looking at positions up down trying to make profit trying to survive uh, that's what we do yeah. through the day. I mean, you know, honestly, it's, no, it's you know every investor trades to make money, and there is no rule about it. I mean, if you make money every day, it's great. But if you don't, then you have to uh, look at the long term as well. And it's only after four four thirty that uh, we uh, come out, and then we do different things. So it yeah. could be a Skype call or a podcast, yeah. or it could be going down for a cup of coffee or tea or. Yeah. Uh, it could be, uh, you know, looking at travel, looking at some destinations, looking at your plan for October, you know, just going on to social media, just just taking your mind. And uh, what's another important part, which a lot of people don't do, is 
uh, we have a process of uh, understanding of how the investment day and the trading day goes by. We write down everything. We look at the results. We look at where we went wrong and what we should do for tomorrow. So we don't plan for tomorrow. We plan for tomorrow from today. And already we know what we're going to do tomorrow if, if this were to happen or if that were to happen, keeping different probabilities in mind. And we don't do too much of algorithmic trading, to be honest. We do more sentiment-based trading in terms of uh, technicals and what we do. So, uh, you know, it's pretty much manual intervention. Yes. So uh, it's very important to uh, have a more senior emotional viewpoint on things. And then, uh, you know, after five, six o'clock, it's, it's, it's all about just unwinding, playing a sport, uh, catching up with a friend for a drink or a movie or, you know, dinner. If I was in Europe, I would be out every day. But unfortunately, in India, you know, <laughs> the weather does not permit... Yeah. Uh, you to be out or the atmosphere is not so conducive to go out every day but you do you do tend to have a bit of house uh, get togethers and uh, things like that uh, so it's interesting I mean uh, it's, uh, Delhi is a bit different from London uh, I spend a lot of my time in Delhi as well but other places as well but uh, yeah I mean, we look forward uh, to our travel and uh, you know enjoy ourselves and um, yeah, life is good. I mean, if you make money. <laughs> yeah. So, so how 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 often do you actually travel, and and where is is it business pleasure? What do you tend to combine so both? This, this year has has been a bit busy. I've already done travel to Sri Lanka. I've been I've just come from Dubai. Uh, I'm uh, heading uh, to Vietnam and Cambodia uh, for a personal trip in November. Of course, domestic uh, within India keeps on going on, uh, trips between Delhi and Bombay. So I, I think it's important to travel maybe once every two or three months because when you travel, you uh, come out from your own individual work perspective and you look at the world in a different scenario. You know, this is what is doing. This is a shop. There's a nice... A woman walking across the airport, for, for example, you know, it's all, it's all different things in life. It doesn't have to be one thing. Or you see a good bag or a perfume or a, they perform, pick up in a bottle of alcohol or, or things like that, you know, just generally things. So, I mean, or you, you know, visit London and uh, look at different parks and walk around and uh, things like that. So it always uh, refreshes your mind. It gives you a different perspective. You come back. Uh, everyone's work is monotonous beyond a point. I mean, so... I think travel is very important to break that monotony and uh, appreciate other things as well. Yeah. So, so something I'm curious about is, have you ever found yourself that you went to a place and maybe even you picked up a business idea that you said, I'm going to bring that to, to India? No, but uh, sometimes whenever I travel to uh, different countries, I always think how I can shift to this country. Yeah. <laughs> Honestly, okay. uh, whether it's Hong Kong or Singapore or London, uh, when you come out of your place that you uh, take a lot of time, you always think, yeah. oh, it's a nice place. I could stay here for a year or two. But there, there are businesses that you want to get into. But as I said, that um, to build something takes a lot more time effort and different management capability uh, whereas uh, investors honestly um, in context we're a bit lazy because we don't want to be the fact we don't want to run a business we want to deploy capital and make money and we want to keep our life very simple and free that way uh, business people have a lot of problems in terms of deployment 
management, people, hiring, issues, taxation, legalities, banking systems, financial. Our life is very simple and at least I prefer it to be that way as well. Yeah. So you, you got uh, your own team, obviously you got the extended network with specialists, that's one thing, but in, in your core team, how many how many people are you, if you can disclose that? So in my core team, there are five uh, and six. I mean, so one is a assistant, one is a researcher, uh, one is uh, somebody who develops business, uh, one is uh, somebody who looks at um, trading opportunities, and one is somebody who's a more long-term researcher on investments, trends in different countries and options available. Because, you know, one person cannot really track the whole world. Uh, honestly, it's not possible. So you need different people to give you different viewpoints uh, and uh, different opportunities as well. Uh, and from all different areas and experiences, sometimes it's good to have youthful ex- exuberance. Sometimes it's good to have experience because, you know, it's it's always a mix. Yes. Yes. Uh, one question we've asked, I think, almost all guests so far on the podcast is, what is your favorite office? And that can mean anything. Now, that's a tough question. But ideally, honestly, if you ask me, my favorite office can be just my laptop with some Wi-Fi and uh, maybe a beach uh, with a drink in my hand and uh, just trading and enjoying the investing because, you know, my uh, my work gives me the opportunity to work from anywhere in the world. So honestly, I could be in a beach for a month uh, and still yeah. be working on my laptop. It do- I don't have to be in the four walls the confines of a four wall if you ask me honestly perfect yeah it's so interesting to see the different responses we had to that question uh, and and you're absolutely on a on a strong theme there that many people that we've been interviewing really appreciate the flexibility of a theoretical lifestyle office where they could uh, be anywhere in the world uh, ultimate because of the systems are set up in in that way so i'm curious within your family office do you actually follow any specific uh, asset allocation strategy? Yeah, that's a good question because the asset allocation strategy keeps on changing every day. But uh, <laughs> we like to maintain an asset allocation strategy, but it really doesn't really happen at each point in time. But obviously, keeping a view in mind, I mean, obviously, we are slightly more on cash at this point. Uh, we're deploying if there's a correction in the asset prices. Uh, uh, so we're conservative in that sense that we're not aggressive all the time. I mean, uh, we rather be contrarian in a viewpoint that if the asset prices are expensive, we'll just hold back. I mean, there's no reason to invest or trade. Again, trading is very different from investing. So uh, trading can be done for the day, but investing has to be done uh, keeping uh, the broader long-term view in mind. And um, we have broad asset allocations. Uh, towards uh, equity, towards debt, and towards cash, uh, but and that keeps on changing a little bit. But broadly, for this year, we will be slightly more conservative, holding more cash, deploying selectively, uh, reducing somewhere, uh, selling somewhere. But uh, because you know, historically we have had a good seven, eight years, ten years. So I mean, uh, you know, hopefully 2019 should give you another opportunity. So where, where is your family office going in terms of uh, investments? So essentially we are moving more towards um, equity investments, to be honest, because we've realized that uh, along with liquidity, if the understanding of an equity investment is there and you're in the right company and the right sector at the right stage, 
uh, honestly, that can create a lot more long-term wealth. And you cannot really uh, look at uh, real estate or other ventures or debt in context because the um, the sheer power of uh, equity wealth creation. If you have if you have a right investment in the right sector and the right company, it's uh, just fascinating. Even one investment like that can turn around uh, your fortune or your company's fortune or you know. Yeah, and how how exposed are you, if I may ask, in in the UK or Europe? We are actually wanting to create exposure in UK and Europe right now, uh, specifically uh, in London. I was very keen, but uh, not and not necessarily only property related exposure because you know London seems to have a lot more emphasis on property investments because obviously global capital from around the world moves like that. But uh, smaller businesses that are looking for investments, they could be publicly listed or unlisted. Uh, some businesses that we do understand could be in the areas of real estate, sorry, uh, retail, design, sports, media, digitalization, entertainment. Uh, something that vibes with the general culture of the city uh, could be F&B as well. Uh, but we're going slowly with it because, you know, honestly, uh, the reason why I was there in London was to uh, initiate some sort of partnerships and dialogues with people in terms of what we could do. We did do a one or two stray investments also, but nothing too uh, big home to speak about. But um, yeah, so we're looking at that, but uh, specifically only uh, towards... London, uh, uh, London. I'm using use loosely, but it's UK in, in that sense. Yes. Yeah. Interesting. Uh, so I'd like to check something which is uh, on my radar at the moment in the UK. It's uh, crowdfunding. How does crowdfunding evolve in India at the moment? Uh, honestly, it's not picked up. There were a couple of two, three businesses that created crowdfunding. Uh, the reason was because the per value of crowdfunding and the kind of projects that they wanted to fund, they were only able to fund a lot of creative projects, but not necessarily other projects as well. And uh, they were not able to get into the equity crowdfunding model. They would basically get into, okay, you fund a project and this is what we get. And the crowdfunder would only make a bare commission on uh, whatever he raises. But uh, you, you need a certain amount of, uh, in my viewpoint, uh, a developed economy where there's a lot of generosity of people and there's a lot of old rich. Maybe the crowdfunding model is better. Here people are trying to build capital and build wealth and are not necessarily generous with their wealth all the time. So, uh, you know, it's also uh, to do with, uh, it is a new area. Uh, evolved investors know about crowdfunding, but the general uh, public uh, is not so in, involved into crowdfunding as a model at this point in time. Because India has an opportunity, there are a lot of other opportunities in the equity markets, real estate, debt, uh, gold, bonds. So, you know, people really are not really looking for other, uh, because, you know, peer-to-peer -peer lending, crowdfunding, are, uh, uh, they look at technology and growth capital in that sense. And, and that's always a bit cyclical. Yeah, I, I throw in an, another wild card, something that I have uh, not invested in. I'm still on the sidelines, reading, understanding, observing, and it's um, uh, blockchain uh, and various uh, cryptocurrencies. What's um, the, the trends in India at the moment in that space? Honestly, I have uh, uh, very strong opinions on this. I feel, <laughs> I feel every once in ten years, every uh, once in ten years, uh, there's, uh, 
Yeah. Every once in ten years, there is something that creates a lot of wealth suddenly, and then yes. it just comes down. And uh, I feel that cryptocurrencies are not necessarily going to replace physical um, cash in central banks. But uh, I believe, in my viewpoint, blockchain as a technology could be adopted in the future, and it might surprise us that technology-wise and digitalization-wise, blockchain could uh, there could be very early adoption. And obviously, whenever something new comes in, there are always people who don't adopt it. But later on, you see that the technology really builds into it's what Facebook did, Apple did, or Google did in any context. So yes. I, 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 blockchain will take time. It will get adopted, uh, probably the future, uh, not necessarily cryptocurrencies. Yeah, very interesting. So uh, I'll share with uh, the listeners that uh, we had uh, an internal vote here between me, uh, <laughs> maybe between between us, and, and, and we had we had lots of th- th- thumbs I mean, down in terms uh, of. If you had Bitcoin at thousand dollars and you sold uh, at the top at nineteen thousand US dollars, yeah. then it's fine. <laughs> but yeah, yeah. <laughs> you have to wait for thousand dollars to come back in. Exactly, and if put in 19,000 buy one coin in December, you will probably regret it by now. But that's just the nature of, of uh, the market and also how media is influencing and often influencing without understanding what's actually happening, uh, which is quite, uh, yeah, another another topic as well, where the, the people that write the news might not necessarily have the investment knowledge to actually comment on the news. They just see the surface, they don't see the underlying aspects of what is mm-hmm. happening. In terms of uh, news channels that you use in India, are they mainly uh, national-based or, or also international as well? Actually, in, uh, media is quite well uh, internationally. Uh, and uh, unlike the States or UK where sometimes you talk about localization and local states and local subjects, the Indian news is just concerned about the country per se and we are concerned about globally what's happening. So India, that way, uh, media is very strong and very well-versed with the global trends. We have a very strong media. Uh, we tend to be slightly more politically dominated, but then you know uh, we're looking at uh, a lot of the media coverage is on sports and on uh, movies and things like that. But it's pretty, pretty much a very holistic uh, media coverage, I would say. I mean, uh, if I were to do something in Dubai, I mean, maybe the, somebody can control the media and maybe things like that, but that doesn't happen. Yeah, yeah, yeah. All right. So, yeah, be, being uh, aware of uh, your time and time is valuable. Uh, I like to go towards the end of this uh, podcast. If people like to find you and uh, also uh, get access to your team, etc., Green Capital is, is the business. How can people uh, find you if they like to? Well, just very simple. You have to follow me on LinkedIn, add me on Twitter, uh, get to know me on Facebook, Instagram. I'm all over the place, everywhere. Uh, Google me <laughs> or send yep. me an email. Uh, I'm fairly available. Uh, so, um, I'd it, it's best to uh, add me on Twitter and uh, because I need my Twitter following to go up slightly. Perfect. And what's your uh, Twitter handle, please? Uh, so, my all my handles are by my name. Uh, Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, and uh, LinkedIn are all by my name, Nathan Shafter. Perfect. Like my Skype as well. Yeah, perfect. So we, we will add uh, Nathan's uh, name to the show notes. We can easily access uh, and get hold of him. So, yeah. 
Thank Very you so much for uh, for joining us all the way from uh, India. Wonderful. All right. Great, great uh, Petra, for your time. Great, Frederick. Thank you. Thank Thanks you. a lot. Thanks Take to care, all. Thank you. Take care. Bye. Thanks for listening this far into this uh, podcast. So you've heard an episode around family offices, how to think about investments. You also got an insight into the global market and specifically the Indian market. So thanks a lot, Nitin, for joining us. Piotr for dialing in uh, with, uh, with not the fantastic uh, connection that one can have. Until next time, next connection, all the best. And uh, you now probably have picked up that we've got some special episodes which are more niche into investments. And feel free to check it out. So take care. Bye-bye. And I heard Charlie, who's not on this show, loves five-star reviews. Take care. Bye-bye.